Payoff.com is a paying sponsor of this Thrifters Villa podcast. You've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt, and that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards with rates as low as 5.9% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a payoff loan may also include potential credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. Go to payoff.com slash thriftersvilla to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Not all applicants may qualify. Loan only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com slash thriftersvilla. Now back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk. So in today's episode, I have a very special friend with me. Her name is Brooke, and Brooke is a part-time reseller on the Poshmark app. She also does list on eBay as well, but Poshmark is her main platform. So Brooke's pretty unique. Brooke um, graduated from the Air Force Academy and started reselling while she was in active duty in the Air Force back in 2014. So she's been on the Poshmark app for a while. Uh, She stopped using Poshmark for a little bit when her beautiful daughter was born and then kind of hopped right back into it. And now her husband and herself do this together, which is really great. And I'm so excited for her to share a story with all of you and just kind of give you a different perspective on reselling. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and being on this Coffee Talk episode. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Daniela. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I was so excited when you reached out, too. I was so glad when people started reaching out and they wanted to be on the podcast because I didn't know how it was going to go, if people were going to be interested in coming on and, you know, sharing this story. But thank you for doing that. that. That was very kind of you. So why don't you tell everyone who's listening who you are, where you're from, how you got started, um, just kind of a little bit about you. Okay, so my name is Brooke Swiatek, and I go by the Floral Hanger on Poshmark and eBay, and then my Instagram is Shop the Floral Hanger. And I kind of have a pretty name, by the way. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) I have a little bit unique of a reselling story um, in the sense of I was in the military when I started. So in May of 2014, I graduated from the Air Force Academy, and I commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Air Force, and my husband and I got married four days before I was due out at my first base, which was out of Pittsburgh. So we were in Colorado, we got married, and we had four days to get everything squared away before we were due out in California. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh yeah, it was a whirlwind adventure, and we got out there, we got settled, I started figuring out what it was like to be 
a commissioned officer and not a cadet in college. Yeah. And after I got settled down, I realized I'm wearing this uniform all day long. I come home and I throw on loungewear. And I was a serious shopaholic all through high school. Oh, me through- too. <laughs> Which is crazy because I was a cadet. So I didn't wear civilian clothes that often, but for some reason. And I remember my drawers in college were just stuffed full yeah. of civilian clothes that I never wore. And finally, I guess after becoming an officer and being, I guess, more of a true adult, I realized, okay, why do you have all of this stuff? <laughs> right. And it was pretty, you know, high-end items, like tons of Miss Me jeans and buckle, all of that stuff that was super popular in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I knew it was worth something, but, and so, you know, I didn't really want to donate it because I knew I could get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And just started Googling. And I knew of eBay because when I was growing up, my mom was an avid thrifter and she had like vintage Louis Vuittons and oh, wow. things. Like that. And I remember seeing her list that type of stuff, mm-hmm. but I didn't really realize what eBay was even back in 2014. And I stumbled across Poshmark online somehow and I decided, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna list everything. So for those three years while I was out at Vandenberg, I just started listing all of my stuff, but I was still a shopaholic and I was just flipping it. So I would sell my clothes and then just use that money to rebuy my Literally what I did. So like the outlets were huge in the early 2000s, right? So you would uh-huh. find outlets around you and you would just go to the coach store and Michael Kors and you would go to all these different stores. Oh, and you yeah. had a ton of money because that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I did the exact same thing and you would flip your old stuff to get the new stuff. I mean, there were times I flipped it for like paying bills and all that kind of stuff too, if I really needed to, because I was terrible with money. So I had to sell <laughs> the stuff I just bought, right? Um, but yeah, I 100% re- relate to your story. But before you keep going, how did you find time as you know, a woman in the military full time and then flipping stuff online. Like how, how did, how, I guess this is really the question. Yeah. So usually, you know, it was just me and my husband and I would typically do it on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't really travel very much for the first couple of years out there. For some reason, I don't know why it was a beautiful area, but we kind of just stuck to ourselves. And so, you know, it was like super amateur. I mean, just throwing my stuff on the ground every now and then I would model it, but it was more of just a hobby. I wasn't really at that time making it this business opportunity. I was just trying to get what I thought my stuff was somewhat worth and then, you know, fueling my shopping addiction with that money. But that was it uh, during that time. But as I started to progress in my career and as my time out at Vandenberg ended, I actually closed. So I had my daughter Mm -hmm. and in February of 2017. And then while I was on maternity leave, I got orders out to Edwards Air Force Base in the Mojave Desert. So what I actually did, because moving was just a nightmare in the military, I have a sister-in-law who's an officer now, and she's going through this whole ordeal. So she knows the pain I went through of moving in the military. So I just closed down my Poshmark closet altogether. And I forgot about all of that for a while, for probably six months. So then I got out to Edwards Air Force Base and I was an avid beauty YouTuber watcher. Oh my God, me too. Love beauty. To this day, it is like my favorite thing to watch. Oh yeah. yeah. That was, that was in addition to Poshmark at the time, probably my biggest hobby was watching. And I started to see Jenna's videos, empty hanger. I know everyone knows her. Yes. But it was, you know, reselling full time, how I make money on Poshmark. And I was like, 
oh, I used to sell stuff on Poshmark like half a year ago. This is interesting. And I binge watched all of her stuff. And I was totally enamored by her vibe, her attitude, mm-hmm. style, all of it. I know. And, I binged her too. She was the first reseller that I binged. Yeah. I mean, binged for hours yeah. and hours. I think oh, I binged yeah. all her videos in like three days. Like I was just oh, yeah. immersed in her content. Oh yeah. Her grandma hanger videos are the yeah, best. Those are my favorite. <laughs> oh yeah. So, you know, that was just such an inspiration to me. So what I started doing, because Edwards Air Force Base is tucked away in the Mojave Desert, far away from anything else. I mean, it is very isolated. I started going to the base thrift store. And, you know, at that time, the employees there hadn't really caught on to things. And the stuff that was there was like military wives that they would just get rid of everything before they would PCS or permanent change of station. and move. And so I just started... And I found my first Johnny was there. Oh, nice. It was an older Johnny was, but I couldn't believe I oh, found who cares? it. Who cares? <laughs> so I started there, but over time, I think they started to catch on because the cost of things were starting to get pretty crazy. And so I went from going every day on my lunch break to kind of phasing off of that. But what happened, and it was really ironic, was I came across Courtney, Common Tags. Mm-hmm. Oh, Courtney, love her too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So right as she had started full-time and started her YouTube, I discovered her. And what was funny was she lives out in Tehachapi, which is only about 45 minutes from Edwards Air Force Base. Oh, okay. And a lot of work out there live in Tehachapi. So I reached out to her and I was like, oh my gosh, it's such a small world. Mm-hmm. I can't you live in Tehachapi and I wish I could live there, but it's kind of expensive. And I thought it was so amazing. And so she said she had a lot of friends who also worked out there. So between her and Jenna, I just was like, okay, I'm diving in. I'm going to make this a part-time thing somehow, being in the military and also being a new mom. And so what I would do is she sources out in LA and that was just too much for me. I know she's full-time, but there's no way I could go from working in the military 14 hour days to then driving to to LA. LA. Oh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the Antelope Valley has Lancaster and Palmdale, so they're smaller cities that are kind of conjoined, and so I just started going there, and that was my first time ever in a Goodwill, ever in a Salvation Army, right. and I was just from that point forward, but still at that time, I still wouldn't have considered myself a true reseller in the sense of I was viewing it as a business. I was still looking at it as a hobby, and last spring, I separated from the Air Force. We moved back to Colorado. And after we got settled in, we decided my husband would stay home with our daughter while I worked full time. And I'm a satellite control engineer, so, and I'm a project manager, so I hold hold kind of a high position in the company I work for. So, but I still wanted to manage reselling. And my husband was the one who approached me, and he's like this burly, outdoor, very masculine (laughs) mountain man. And he was like, hey, I want to help you with reselling. And from that point forward, we just dove in. We sourced until we rose it to our inventory level to what we wanted. And since then, it's been a partnership for the past year. And he does all the logistical side. So he photographs and measures and inventories. And we sometimes source together. And then I do all of the listing, sharing, shipping, that type of stuff. And awesome. 
that's really cool that your husband is interested in it and wants to help you with it. I think that's great when it's like a duo partner thing. So like my husband's very supportive about it and everything. He's come to the bins mm-hmm. with me and like, he's so not into reselling whatsoever, but like he, he'll stand there for the full four or five hours and listen to music or whatever. And he'll, and you know, he gets excited. He'll look things up with me when he comes with mm-hmm. me and stuff like that. But um, like, I don't foresee him ever like doing it with me. Like he might take care of like spreadsheets and stuff. If I asked him to, he would totally do that part of it. Cause that's just how his brain works. He's very analytical, but I think that's cool. But your burly husband who is an outdoorsman. <laughs> gets yeah, I, you know, I was surprised. I, I never thought, I always thought he just saw it as, you know, Brooke's hobby. Yeah. But I think being a stay at home dad, he realized I need something for myself uh, being home. And we, we had dabbled in e-commerce on Amazon while we were out at Edwards, I think back in like 2016, but I was not a fan of Amazon. And then I have clearances with my job. So I had issues with sourcing wholesale from other countries and stuff. Yeah. It hard. And when we shut that down, he kind of lost something for him to do at home, staying with our daughter. Yeah. And, and he has found very unique ways of sourcing that we can talk about. Maybe yeah, absolutely. So let's, I guess, touch about yeah. like the pandemic because I think it's made all of us um, source differently because I know that I'm doing everything differently too. So, um, the thrift stores here are open. I think they're open where you are too, right? You guys are in Mm -hmm. phase, you're going into phase three soon, I believe, right? I think so. Yeah, we, we are too. Probably, well, we'll see how the next few weeks go, but, um, we're supposed to, I think July 1st or something, we're supposed to go into phase three. So right now everything's open here for the most part. If stores are closed, they've chosen to still be closed. Um, I mean, I've gone to the thrift stores here. They're not great right now. Yeah. And the prices are really high. Um, like very simple items like Nine West or um, I don't know, Victoria's Secret, which is always priced high anyway in the thrift store. Right. Um, but just brands that typically maybe sold for like seven to nine ninety-nine are now like triple or double the price. And mm-hmm. I can't sustain that as a I right. mean, if your cost of goods is that high, how are you supposed to recoup yeah. the money plus make money? You know, it's oh, yeah. it's really difficult. So I found myself doing a lot of retail arbitrage right now because most stores are 50% off or more. So I'm grabbing mm-hmm. whatever I can. The Nordstrom Rack that's here, when it opened uh, two, almost three weeks ago, it was 40% off of everything in the store, including clearance. Mm. that was worth it like I grabbed oh, yeah. as much as I could um yeah I've gone to Marshall's I've gone to TJ Maxx those are all open they're 50% off or more on stuff so like that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing I've been doing a lot of online sourcing like I've changed everything and I don't yep. know if it's gonna stay this way but it's a hard mindset change I think for me because mm-hmm. I'm so used to thrift store prices and now yeah. I'm having to pay 25 $30 on one item right to maybe right. double, you know, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, how have you been dealing with it? Yeah, so, you know, I would start off by saying, you know, this pandemic has by no means been a good thing, but it has opened my eyes to alternative ways of doing things. And because, the possibilities that exist. Oh yeah, absolutely. And similar to you, in Colorado, from Colorado Springs up to Denver, the same ownership, I believe, has taken over all of our Goodwills. Okay. And that happened right after we moved out here. And once that happened, I instantly noticed the prices skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And talking 
Miss Me Jeans, $29.99. They're always uh, priced like that here. Yeah. Miss seven Me Jeans. Oh, yeah. But brands like Joe's Jeans, Seven Jeans, you know, stuff that used to be super popular, but they, Lucky Brand, oh my gosh, Lucky Brand will be like twelve ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I love Lucky, but I'm not spending that for it because I have, no. there's no, you know, there's no income or profit to be made off of that. Correct. So I started sourcing at the bins for the first time before the virus started and I was finding okay things, but my husband would get frustrated because just the amount of damaged items that I was bringing home, no matter how much I inspected them. Yeah. And I found myself just getting things just because they were cheap. And I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. So, I felt like, so what's the oh, point yeah. that happens? You donate it. Yeah. So I kind of felt like I was pulling away from my style and the things that I liked. Mm-hmm. To just, just to get a story. Oh yeah. For sure. And then it was a waste because half of it was damaged. And I did that for a while. And then the virus hit. And my husband was like, okay, we've got to think of ways to start sourcing. And I considered wholesale, I considered pallets. But one of my favorite things about this is I can have a super low cost of goods if I choose and make a profit off of that. If I have to spend more upfront, I will. But for now, I value the option to have a low cost of goods up front. So my husband um, just started jumping on Craigslist and I started looking on marketplace and I found this lady who's on the other clear on the other side of town and she had so much good stuff and we came to an amazing agreement and we filled up our entire truck bed full of bags of her clothes and I, we, we sourced and lived off of that one purchase alone since, you know, the pandemic has hit. That's awesome. That lasted us for a couple of months and that was great. Once that ran out, my husband started thinking, okay, we need to start looking again. And he found a person on Craigslist and this guy was just getting rid of his wife's stuff. And I've made an Instagram video about that. If anyone ever wants to go watch the whole story behind it. And I shared what we found and it was amazing stuff. And I spent about 45 cents an item and we've been using that. So for the past few weeks, that's been what, you know, we've been working off of. So that's been our new way of sourcing is we're looking for husbands who are getting rid of their wives stuff or just women who are sick of it. And the nice thing about both of those scenarios is they both said, keep our information if we have more stuff. That's great. And the cost of goods was low. Now you have to be careful because a lot of people on Craigslist and Marketplace, they're wanting to make some money too. Right. So not every lot or bundle or purge that you see is going to be a good deal. But in these two cases, they were. And my husband is amazing at finding these people who are getting rid of their stuff for so cheap. And I just, I'm amazed by what he was able to find. And the other thing that I've started to jump into as well on Marketplace, I don't know if you know Melissa from Fresh Bloom and Clothing. I've heard of her, but I don't know her. Her mom is Karen from Lavender Clothesline. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know Lavender Clothesline. Yeah. Yeah. So her daughter, Melissa, I am a member of her Patreon. I absolutely love her. She and her husband run that together, but she does thread up rescue boxes for jewelry and she has shifted pretty much everything she's done to jewelry. Wow. So finding jewelry businesses that have been liquidating on marketplace. And so that's my next step 
is I have probably 300 jewelry items in the mail right now because we're kind of out of room with clothes because we yeah. keep everything in our house. Yeah. So I'm taking a break from clothes for a while and my husband's going to start processing all of this jewelry. And I was able to find people who have brand name jewelry and all sorts of like super popular boho sterling silver with turquoise in it. Oh. Good deal. So I'm trying to be creative and think of alternative ways of still sticking with my style and the things I love. Yeah. But also, you know, because also with my job, I am around some people who are, um, you know, compromised immune systems, but also we teach the military. So we have a course going on right now. None of them can afford to get sick. None of the people I work with can afford to get sick. So I'm just not comfortable stepping into a thrift store yet. Yeah. And that's kind of just led us to this point of more creative ways of finding inventory. I think that's great though, to go into the jewelry realm yeah. because I think people forget about the accessories. <sighs> Because I know I buy accessories online sometimes. That's just how I do it. I, I've totally bought um, accessories on Poshmark before or on eBay. Mm-hmm. I am like, I'll go to eBay and search things that I like that I've seen and I'll buy them. You know, I don't care where it comes from, but if it's a style that I like, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Have you done, because um, I did it, the Nextdoor app. Have you downloaded that and done it? Um, oh, I listened to when you told Lori about it and I have pushed out and I had one lady reach out to me and she said she's moving, but she'll get back to me when she has stuff. But that's the only person that I've heard from so far. Yeah, it, it probably, so I ended up reposting it twice. And the second time I posted, I got like five people contact me the same exact day. And I did a bunch of pickups. Um, I haven't had any mm-hmm. since, but I also haven't pushed out a new post or anything like that. Um, I had pretty good luck. Everything not everything. A lot of the stuff I sent to thread up. Um, okay. Stuff that I wouldn't sell myself. Um, I put a lot of it in not so mystery boxes. I um, got rid of all of those. So that was good. And I was able to give people inventory, which was really nice. And people were super grateful for that because not everyone can go to a thrift store, even though they're open mm-hmm. just because they're compromised or they live with someone who's compromised. And I get that. So I wanted to be able to, you know, share my goods that I got with other people at very yeah. low cost. Um, and now I have like two bags left of stuff and one is an entire bag filled with plus size and it's all old Navy and Torrid and Lane Bryan. It's all good stuff. I think I'm probably oh, yeah. going to list some of that. Um, I might do lots of it on eBay. I haven't really decided yet. I'm just kind of like staring at it right now because I don't know what I want to do with it. Um, and I might even keep a couple pieces for myself because some of them are my size. So that's exciting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Next Row was interesting. I wasn't going to do it at first. I was kind of freaked out by it. I'm not going to lie because it's a pandemic yeah. and I'm going to pick up some oh, yeah. clothes. Like I don't... I don't know, like, how safe is this really? I mean, I left it in my car mm-hmm. and I did all the necessary mm-hmm. precautions, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable with it at first. Um, right. I think I'll probably keep it around as something that I'll do. Mm-hmm. I don't know to what capacity, but I think it's a good way to reach out to the community. And this, I've, and the, some of the women that I've spoken to are like, hey, if I have more stuff, I'll let you know. That's great. Like, that's an opportunity for me to either send items to thread up and and make money that way to use it to source um, or mm-hmm. sell myself or maybe make more boxes, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you might have luck with it. I know a lot of people yeah. on the, in the Instagram world had a lot of luck with it. So mm-hmm. I think it's something well, I'll, good. Yeah, I'll take your advice and I'll relist it. I haven't yeah. heard back from that one lady yet, but. Yeah, and then I'll send you what I wrote in mine too. Okay. Um, 
So that way awesome. you can see like what I put in there and maybe that'll be helpful and it might intrigue someone else. Actually, um, I have a woman that keeps contacting me and I need to, I need to reach back out to her, but I just haven't had the time that she has a few items that she wants to consign. They're very high end items. So I might take oh. that offer, um, yeah. just because the item's worth it to me to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I almost feel guilty doing it where it's like, you could sell yeah. this yourself and make so much money. Why do you want me to consign oh, yeah. it for you? You know? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't want to do it for like a whole bunch of pieces. Like there's like select few, like if it's a purse, a handbag, like, you know, shoes, something like that, I'll do that. Um, but articles of clothing, it's got to be worth it. Otherwise I got yeah, to take care of, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. So how is your daughter involved in all this? Does she help you with reselling at all? <laughs> it's funny that you say that. Um, she actually does. So when we were going out and sourcing together, uh, she came with my husband and I every time and she would just sing and talk to people and wave and um, When I pull ourselves, she does it with me. So I'll show her the bin and she's three now So we'll go and we'll grab whatever we sold together and she'll bring it down to the office and we'll package it all up together She loves it. Usually I'll I have a Rolo label printer and I'll take some of them and I'll just hand them to her And so she pretends like she's packaging yeah. too. It's funny. We've turned this into a whole family business together and yesterday my sister-in-law and I went yard sailing mm -hmm. and she came with us and I kind of went with the intent of finding inventory and I found way more than I thought I would <laughs> because I think now that things are opening back up everyone is having garage sales mm -hmm. and there were community garage sales yesterday and we went kind of farther out east from town to this kind of out on like a ranch type yard sale mm -hmm. and I New pairs of orange tag vintage Levi's. Ah, love orange tag. I know. I've never found them before. I found two what before. Oh my gosh, yeah. So this is they were 25 cents a piece. Oh my god. <laughs> one had the capital E, one pair was embroidered, and then I was doing some research this morning and they both had a white tag on the inside, which indicates the 60s, I think. So they I made Italy in it. Oh, I didn't look. I just saw. So mine said oh, made in Italy, but I don't know what that means because I'm not a big Levi's expert. But I know mine said made in Italy. Yes, check them in. I see. have them right here. So I'll show you. That's what it. Looks oh, like. that's nifty. Yeah, I've never so seen that label. The, the ones that I saw online, uh, there were some that used to look like that. That said, Levi's ladies or something like that. Oh. And this to that so I'm assuming it's so it's a white tag for everybody on the yeah, podcast you guys can't see it because we're doing video but maybe we <laughs> it's should describe it to you <laughs> yeah it's an internal embroidered white tag that has Levi's in cursive and it's pretty big and so I googled that as well so we'll see what happens with those but I'm excited and all I found tons of other inventory from the other two yard sales we went to yesterday so that's another option This episode is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, we work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. We deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. We do whatever it takes for children, every day, and in times of crisis, transforming their lives and the future we share. 
Right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis of our lifetime and threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. $5 can provide a nutritious breakfast and lunch for a child who usually relies on school for food. $35 can provide educational toys and activities to engage eager, out-of-school learners. Whether it's $5 or $35, every contribution helps the children. For more information, go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org slash savekids. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. I am a bad reseller. I've never been to a yard sale to source. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was my first time. Yesterday was my very first time. And I just was I like, you know, know what? what it is. I just, I, maybe it's because I don't have a ton around me that like mm -hmm. I'd have to trap. Not, I live in Rhode Island. Like how far am I really traveling? To be honest with you, like I might be traveling 15, 20 minutes, yeah. but like, um, I've, I've just never done it. And I know there's, there's that app that you can download. Uh, I don't know what it's oh, yeah. called. That you can download and tells you all the different yard mm -hmm. sales in the air. I think it's owned by Craigslist, who actually has that app. Oh, okay. Um, I have to find it. I was using Marketplace. So uh, uh, let me see. I don't know how. I feel like we told everyone yard sale. I feel like I, it's yes, it's called Yard Sale Treasure Map. Okay. Um, and. I think it's owned by Craigslist, but anyway, it will show you estate sales. It will show you a whole bunch of different, you know, any yard sales that are around you. So that's helpful. So you can see what's going on. Um, I do want to hit up some estate sales. That's something that I've had on my list for a long time. And I Me hope too. that they do them at some point this year. I mean, I don't know, given everything that's going on. Um, and I don't know how comfortable I feel going into another home right. that I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that is something that I would like to do. Because I yeah, feel like I've been, you can find really great stuff for the state sales. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing around here a lot lately that they've been saying, like, by appointment only for, because there's been a ton of estate sales. And so I guess you just schedule a time to go in so you're not surrounded by people, but you're still in someone else's house. Yeah. So that's I the see part. That, mm, right. Not sure. With a yard sale or a garage sale, you're still outside. So you've got right. the fresh air. Yeah. But as soon as you come in, then you're a little more confined and but yeah that's interesting so is the thrifting in colorado as amazing as everyone says so i'm not up in denver so i don't you know i don't have, have you it. thrifted in denver yeah i i don't think i have it nearly as good as they do i have a sister-in-law who goes up there and she also resells and i think she sources from denver a lot of the time but uh i think it's okay it's better than when I was in the Mojave Desert, for sure. Yeah. My husband one time found an authentic Burberry for $7. That's and good. And so like that. Yeah. And then so have days where it's nothing but the old tag soft surroundings and Chico's, <laughs> which I'm okay There's with. a lot some. of that here, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's just some days are amazing, and it's a total jackpot. Some days aren't. And, you know, I, I started to shy away from the regular thrift stores simply because of the cost. And I was finding decent things at the bins as well. I found a brand new Patagonia just sitting on an end cap once. It was a cinchilla. And I just picked it up and I was just looking around like, right, no, like is this real life? 
what? That was the first thing I found right when I walked in. So it is good. I, I do agree it's good, but I don't think it's as good as Denver has. Yeah. But the thing about um, where I'm at in Colorado Springs is there's one, two, three, about four military bases in the surrounding area. So you have a lot of turnover from people who are moving. And so the donations are abundant. There's no yeah. of inventory whatsoever. I think that's something to point out. Something that's important to point out too is, I guess you never hear about that, right? That the military bases that are around, people are moving constantly, so they're clearing mm -hmm. everything out because they're not taking everything with them. There's no way you can take everything with you because you don't know where you're going or how big the place is going to be. You know, there's so many factors that go into it. Um, you're never really settled in a place, right? That's just kind of military right. life. You're settled for a, whatever portion of time it is that you are where you are, and then you're off to the next place. So I guess it's something to keep in mind is I guess if you um, have a military base maybe around you to check out the thrift stores around right. there. I mean, that's, that's right. an idea. We have a base, we have a naval base in Newport. I never think okay. to go to any thrift stores in Newport because it's, I mean, it's yeah. like a 40 minute drive for me, but even still, like, I should probably check it out and see what's around there. Yeah. I didn't know they had thrift stores on base, but that makes sense. They have everything right. on base. Yeah. When I was out at Vandenberg, I, that was where I first discovered the thrift store. And, but I wasn't going there for clothes. I went for like Christmas decor or well, after we had our daughter, I got her bookshelf from there. So I would just go there for those things. But I knew there's so much turnover. All the retirees come on base. They come to the thrift store. So I was just going there more for, home goods and things like that and once we got out to Edwards and I wanted to start sourcing I thought well I have a thrift store right here let's try this and once I kind of depleted them of all their good stuff <laughs> changed my uh, way of sourcing a little bit but yeah I, I totally recommend and also the other thing I wanted to touch on not only sourcing if you're near a base but also military spouses mm. it's an opportunity for them as well and so I got to host the Passion Sip Coffee edition here in Colorado Springs. And one of my co-hosts, she is a military spouse right now. And she started out when she was in Japan, I believe. And oh, that's wow. how she was selling. So her whole story, it was so unique because she was reselling from Japan, but because she was on a base, it was technically she could ship it. Yeah. So she was able to ship it. It was so cool. And hearing her story of how she was able to help her husband support their family, because it's really hard for military spouses yeah. to find something that they can do because they're uprooted so often every couple of years. And that's the amazing thing about reselling as a business is it, it's not bounded by your location. Right. It can move with you. And so that's the other thing that is special about having the military all around is it, and being in a bigger city too, is it gives those spouses a chance to own their own business and it's also fun and they can have kids and do it yeah so that was all the story on her end as well I think you've tapped into something here like you oh, yeah. need to be like a spokesperson for the military families out there that maybe wives or husbands because you don't know who it is that's in the military it could be either spouse right yeah. And, you know, maybe you can have some kind of group or something and you're helping the, yeah. the military families because the extra income is important to them too. And, yeah. You know. yeah. And you know, there is a much larger proportion of military wives who are not military than there are husbands. I was a more unique situation where my husband was a civilian and I was in the military, but, and you know, military wives are often targeted by 
not so moral or ethical business practices that I won't get into, but they do get targeted. And so it's an opportunity for them to start up a legitimate business that they can do from anywhere and it can move with them. And I think her name is Erica Cole. I follow her on Instagram. She's a military and she just recently moved and her whole, her inventory and everything moved with her. That's, so she was able enough. to, yeah. Because it, it depends on how much inventory you have, I guess, but either way, that's a lot of stuff that you're going to have to, like, I'm just thinking about like all the totes that I have. So I have probably like 15 totes that have to, yeah. all that have to come with me. Yeah. And so when I separated and we left Edwards, I actually sold all of my stuff off. I sent it all to thread up and I just flipped that money for civilian work attire because I didn't have any. But for someone who is going to move it with them, yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to have the movers take all of your inventory for a while, your couple of weeks. But at least you have a business that can move with you and you can source wherever you get planted right. on the next so, How yeah. was that transition for you to go from being in the military to now civilian life? Because I would imagine that that's pretty difficult. Yeah. So, you know, I, from the moment I left home after I graduated high school until I separate, separated, it was about nine years of being in the uniform. So now, when you were in high school, not to interrupt, but like around here, they have a thing called the ROTC program. Were you in that in high school or no? No. Yeah. I didn't realize that I wanted to join the military until my, the end of my junior year in high school, when I realized that I, the job I was working at was frustrating me and I didn't want to have to deal with that to put myself through college. And I know that sounds super privileged, but you know, I just, I, I realized that I wanted something more and I wanted a little bit of help with it. So I thought I was going to enlist. And then my dad told me about the Air Force Academy and then I applied, I got in along with four other people from my hometown. It was crazy. And so, you know, I didn't realize that that was what I, what I wanted to do until later in my high school academic career. But anyway, yeah, so it was the first nine years of my adult life. And it was a little bit weird because it's a lifestyle and it's a culture. It's not just a job. So that transition was weird. And our company directly works. Our customer is the military. And like I said, we teach a course to the military and they're in our office right now. So when I first got there, I had to sit through that course and I was actually still active duty for the first two months that I worked for this company. So I was active duty on leave in civilian clothes sitting next to those still in the Air Force. And it was weird. And I felt in a way a little bit guilty, like I gave up, but it just, it's, it's a hard lifestyle for families and it's a hard lifestyle for moms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I knew it was the right decision and it, it, it was just a little bit weird. It was kind of like a culture shock, but once I finally got through that and I found myself, it was all good, but I knew it was the right decision all along, but I was sad because it did define the first nine years of my adulthood. Right. It's a part of you, right? There's no way around it. It's always going to be a part of you and your family's life, but it just wasn't the right fit for you guys and what you want for your future. And that's fine. I mean, that's why you have that option to separate you know it's always there um and now you have a new chapter that you guys are going through which i think is super fun that you guys are doing it as a family who knows where it will grow because it seems like you guys are going in a different direction and i'm I'm excited to see where that all takes you because it seems like you're maneuvering in a different way oh yeah was good for you guys (laughs) well thank you yeah that's really really good 
is there anything else that you want to share with our audience or anything that you're parting words, I should say, that you'd like to say to any resellers out there who's new and might be struggling and doesn't yeah. know where to go, or maybe is in a similar situation that you are in and they want this to become more of a business and not a hobby. Like what would you tell that person? Yeah, I would say, you know, start on a lower scale and don't compare because that was really hard at first. I'm an overachiever. And so seeing what these people who have been reselling for years and years and years are doing was a little bit discouraging, but you have to remind yourself that we all have to start somewhere and start lower scale and then just start building it up over time. And, you know, my husband and I do this not to become multimillionaires. Right. We do it to alleviate the weight off of my shoulders being our provider. So our goal is as long as we can cover certain bills, but still aim to grow, that's our goal right now. And next year, it'll be a little bit bigger. And next year, it'll be a little bit bigger. So that's how we look at it as a part-time income for us that we share in a way. But if you're doing it by yourself, if you're a single mom, just don't get discouraged. Start small and continue to set goals for yourself down the road and you will start to see the growth. I most certainly have. And it was in those first couple of years, it was nothing like what it is now. So that's what I would say, yeah, for anyone who's just now starting. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to have those small baby steps because it mm -hmm. it does make a difference. Like we all have these big goals that we want to hit, right? Like we all have them. And we just need to realize that reselling takes time. It's You don't become rich overnight. That's definitely not right. the name of the game. And even those who have been reselling for a long time and are making six figures or more, there is so much more overhead that goes into that. There, like the pallets that they're buying, those costs are way bigger. So you always need to put things into right. perspective. You may be doing it on a smaller scale. Those that are doing it on a larger scale, the costs end up, end up even, evening out. It's always the same right. thing. It's just a different way of doing it, right? Absolutely. Um, but you just have to stick with it and be on top of what the current trends are in each platform, understanding how the platforms work. Don't spread yourself too thin. I think a lot mm -hmm. of us do that. We, we're on multiple platforms and we're cross-listing everywhere. And okay, maybe we'll sell here, maybe we'll sell there. Like learn one, one platform, like to the you know everything about it, every detail. Right. Like, that's Poshmark to me. I know everything about Poshmark, right? <laughs> it's the easiest one. So right. in my opinion, and you I can, agree. I know the ins and outs. I know how to, you know, start triggering more follows, how to trigger more shares, how to try to trigger some sales, how I can communicate with buyers. Like I get that platform. That's my main right. platform. And I'm listing everything on there. Then I cross list to eBay, which is like my whatever, if I make sales, cool. I'm putting, I'm definitely putting more time and effort into it to try to learn it better because I do want to learn eBay more. I have more opportunity on eBay than I do on Poshmark. That's just right. the facts. I have an opportunity to go worldwide if I wanted to and start shipping mm -hmm. internationally. That option's there. Um, but I don't, I don't understand it the same way as I understand Poshmark, but that's right. okay because that comes with mm -hmm. time and growth. Um, mm -hmm. Macari is, I don't even know why I cross list on there because I don't ever check it, never mind. It just doesn't work for me. And that's I fine, agree. you know? But I think it's important to have one platform that you are super confident in and that right. you know, like the back of your hand, that you can really grow on and then start Absolutely. to diversify. I think that too many of us get wrapped up in all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, you hear it in the community, you see yes. it, and you think you need to do it. And you don't. Yeah, and the, 
the multi-platform thing gets pushed so hard on everyone, but for someone starting off brand new, I remember from going back to that Posh and Sip Coffee edition, we had so many members from the community who were just there and a lot of much older citizens. And, you know, it's harder for them to yeah. understand a single platform as it is. And so we spent a lot of time, my coasts and myself, helping them going through every step. And so you have to consider where people are too. And sometimes being pushed to just grow and get big fast, it yeah. stresses me out. It stresses me out. I was on Poshmark for only, you know, that the, for the first, since 2014 until this year, it was only Poshmark. And then I slowly started cross-listening to eBay. And then I cross-listed to Mercari, same situation as you. I was like, Yeah, it's oh. like, I don't even know why I did it. <laughs> I think and because everyone I, talks about it. Yeah, you always hear about it. And then I heard about Kittizen and that same lady who I found that big bulk from, she gave me a bunch of kids' clothes. So I finally threw it all on Kittizen or two days ago, and I made a sale yesterday. That's good. But all in time, you know, it, it, I started way back. That wasn't all Right. That's so. the thing too. I mean, I've been technically reselling since I was 16. I didn't know it was reselling, but that's when I started. So I've always right. been involved in the process of reselling, but like to actually consider it a business and make profit off of it and then use those profits to pay things off or save or do whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm not just constantly spending. Um, I mean, that's only been a year for me, maybe a year, right. a month. Like it hasn't been that long. However, I will say, that I've caught myself the last couple of weeks because everything's reopened that I'm like shopping even more and I don't need to be shopping kind of thing. And I am like, I, I don't normally do that when it comes to reselling. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I spend whatever it is that's in my budget and then that's it. But I have like this feeling that I have to keep going out and finding stuff because we might get shut down again. You know, like there's that mm -hmm. mentality that I don't know what's going to happen because none of us really do know what's going to happen in the next three months. We don't. Right. Will there be another surge? I don't know. So I feel like I'm going out and spending a ton of money that I'm making instead of just dealing with and like putting it aside and doing what I was doing before. So I like, I have to reel right. it in a little bit and I, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm good that I can like recognize that in that way, but it's taken me years to recognize that because when I was younger, I just spent money cause I didn't care. You know, it's like, well, well I'm working <laughs> a full time job and I'm just going to buy whatever I want. Then you get married and then there's like you know, all the things that right. go into it. You become an adult, a real adult, right? Especially when you're in your thirties, you're a real adult in your thirties. You can't, you can't oh, yeah. win that stuff anymore. <laughs> so I've definitely noticed that. So I'm trying to be better about that because I think a Absolutely. lot of new resellers fall into that trap too. Where you just buy, buy, buy. Cause you're yeah. just the thrill of the hunt, right? It's just the yeah. thrill of finding stuff and then listing it. And then you're just, you just keep using that money to buy right. new things, but you're never actually taking home a profit kind of thing. So that's the difference Absolutely. between hobby and business. Absolutely. That, that money that's coming in, if it's a hobby, like, okay, fine. If you want to just keep buying stuff to sell, right. that's fine. You can 100% do that. But if you want to actually see the profits, then you kind of have to switch and go to the business route. It's tough. Right. It is. It is, but it's so fun. Oh my it's God, really so fun. <laughs> it is so fun to find the items. Like, it's just, oh, it's great. It's so great. All right, well, Brooke, thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you and talking to you and getting to know you and your story. You're pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty awesome. It is oh, an awesome well. story. It really is because you just don't I hear do. about that side of, you know, you don't hear about military resellers. That's fantastic. Right. I well, think you hear more of it. 
Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you so much having me. I look up to you and Lori so oh, much. Thank oh, you. We're just little New England it. resellers. You know, we're just these little, <laughs> little peons on the reseller scale. But thank you. Thank you for listening and um, always supporting us. And thank you for your service as well. Thank you so much thank for you. the time that you did to serve our country. And continue to oh, do because you're still involved in the military, even though you have separated, you're still involved, which I think <laughs> happens a lot. <laughs> oh, and I see your little one. There she is. <laughs> oh, I've been trying to keep her away, and oh, she no. found a way to sneak in. <laughs> How cute is she? All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week with Laurie. Bye.